Hey, this is Mike Patterson, your host for Embrace Growth. This is a podcast dedicated to personal growth and empowered choices. Helping to create change and transformation in your life and the world. Today on the podcast, I speak with Stefan McKenzie from Los Angeles, California. Stefan and I have a conversation about control. As a recovering control freak that he claims that he is, or is still recovering, he offers some interesting insight into why he wanted to control things in the first place and how he's learned to live with a different way of approaching the world rather than trying to control those things in which we can't control. There's some good tools for you people that still want to control things in your world, so stick around. Hey, Stefan, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Everybody, today I'm speaking with Stefan from Los Angeles, California. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Stefan. Let the world know who you are. Oh, my favorite part, get to introduce myself. Um, I, oh, the best way I can do this is just read this tiny little bio I came up with that I thought was funny but accurate. Um, it goes, Stefan Amory McKenzie is a Los Angeles-based aspirer. He's an aspiring writer, an aspiring filmmaker, an aspiring talk show host, an aspiring poet, an aspiring humanitarian, an aspiring activist, an aspiring Buddhist, and an aspiring human being. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm really honored to have you on the show. What are we talking about today? I thought we'll talk about control. Mm, control. That's a good topic for personal growth. It's something I'm still looking at, right? <laughs> so Stefan, really, I'm, I'm glad to see you here. Everybody, I know Stefan through the Mankind Project. Him and I are both uh, co-leaders in the project. That's how we have crossed paths. And today we're going to talk about control. It'll be interesting to see what comes up. <laughs> how yeah. do you want to start this conversation? Well, it's funny because I like to call myself a reform uh, control freak, but that's a lie. I'm still a control freak. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in recovery every day. Hello, my name <laughs> is Stefan. I'm a control freak. Uh, and so it's been an inter interesting uh, process in accepting that. First of all, just admitting to it has <laughs> been a whole thing and not pretending that I wasn't. And then uh, accepting it. And then figuring out how, if possible, do I dismantle that uh, without somehow figuring that's going to dismantle who I am so I don't have to feel like I need or want or have to control everything. Mm. Yeah. So when I think about control, right, there's those things that I can control, those things that I can't control. But let's dig in a little deeper. What? Why would you want to control something? And what is it that you want to have control over? Uh, like many things, and <laughs> uh, it, it stems from my childhood. So it's all about how to control uh, my safety, how to control 
uh, my actions so that I'm more uh, liked or uh, less in harm? And how do, if I can control, you know, the things around me, even to the point of controlling the people around me, I'll be safe and I'll be liked and the world will be exactly how it should be. Hmm. How it should be. That's an interesting way, way to phrase it. So you have some idea about how the world should be. Well, I've had ideas, of course. Uh, I won't say of course, but ideas have changed. But at the at the crux of them is, yeah, the world would be happy. I would be happy in the world. Everything around me would go smoothly. There'd be no trauma, no drama. Uh, no mm -hmm. one that doesn't like anything and doesn't like me. And it would just be happy-go-lucky. In this wonderful fantasy world, <laughs> right? Wouldn't that wouldn't that be lovely? With all of your talk of controlling being, I mean, so far what you've said, being around less harm and safety and wanting to be liked. What what happened, or where where does all of that want for control come from? You mentioned your childhood, but was there an incident in particular? Well, I've had a lot of examples of what I interpret as others, especially those around me, trying to control their world. And so that was the example. So I thought that's what you're supposed to do in order to uh, make things happen. And then also there was controls over me. And some of them were legitimate, meaning my safety, my well-being, you know, going to school. But also there was... Um, some things that were a level of control that was out of now as a child growing up i didn't realize this i just thought people were freaking crazy i don't know if i can cuss them, I can cuss them here uh yeah yeah people were uh losing their mind and i was gonna die at the end of that and as i'm joking there was some real honest to god fear for my safety um and now i realized that was others wounds and others uh insecurities that were coming out and how they were coming out of me was danger, right? Mm. So in that real life fear that, um, that I didn't know how to figure out, interpret, then it was like, okay, then I need to control everything else to make my life safe. So inevitably, because of how things unfolded, I ended up leaving home at 16. So I ran home and left, lived on the street for, uh, a few months and then lived in a couple of years in a group home until I moved out uh, the group home and, you know, put myself through college. So through that course of growing up and then through that very hectic time in high school, all that was about how can I control my environment so I can be the safest. And during that whole two, two and a half years, no one at the school knew that I wasn't living with my parents and that I wasn't like just a regular old kid with regular kid problems, right? Like mm. I think at one point, maybe one person knew, unless they had to tell a couple of like principals and stuff, like I'm sure they knew. But I had this uh, this kind of presentation. I was just like everybody else. Right? So also that became into how do I control my environment so I don't get any unnecessary attention that I don't want to have. Uh, so, yeah. So a lot of it. Yeah. Wow. And and where did you grow up, Stefan? L.A. In L.A. Okay. All right. Born and raised. Uh, raised. I was, I, I've been here since I was very young. So I'm pretty much a, a resident of 
California. Okay. Right on. Cool. And so control has been a lifelong quest for you. Yes. You know, when I think about control, okay, and I and I heard you say, you know, you're a recovering control freak. And I know that, yes, there was much of my life that I thought if I could just control the situation, right? If everybody would do exactly as I would say, then my life would just be perfect. And the reality of it is that's deep in shadow, my want to control. But I, I think about what's realistic for me to control and what's not realistic. But I also think about how much energy do I put into wanting to control those things that I can't. As we look at your story, what, I mean, how exhausting was that for you? Well, it's incredibly exhaust, exhausting because as, you know, things unfolded, started with, you know, uh, family lives, surrounding life circumstances. And then um, as sexuality became um, uh, another aspect that I wasn't even aware of until college, then it's a whole nother level of how do I control, you know, how I'm feeling and how that uh, expresses itself. And so the whole idea of all of it is not only exhausting, it's um, there's no break, there's no rest. It's always creating paradigms and working every angle and uh, assessing every level of danger and every level of how something can come back and harm or reflect and also growing up you know as an african-american man in this uh, country has you know added just another level so all these situations i'm always going how where do i have to be in this world to be safe and exist as as i am and not have to exist as somebody else in order to to survive nevertheless thrive yeah yeah that that sounds totally exhausting i i have no idea what that's like to negotiate and since i've never been to to your house to your neighborhood i've been to la but i i don't know what what level of exhaustion that would be depending on what your day-to-day life looks like when I hear you talk about safety or avoiding harm, yeah, it's, I mean, control is a big thing. So what is it that's, that's possible for you to control? What are the things that, that are within your realm to control? Well, this is the whole, I don't know, irony or uh, hysterical part of this is because as I continue to grow and understand and I'm, all the information I know, I don't know anything, I, nothing's in my control. It's it's one thing to understand it consciously, and it's one thing to embody it uh, on a different level. So, you know, as the years go on, I continue to embody more and more. Uh, in this current situation of COVID-19, where things are way bigger than my control, I've actually been the more relaxed ever. Where, and I'm used to being able to figure out how do I fight, how do I win, how do I protect, like all these things I can do. In this situation, I was like, there's nothing I can do. Just sit up in my house and, and take a fucking seat and relax. And I have been the most relaxed in a very long time. It's the most bizarre thing because hmm. it's so big. There's nothing. There's nothing for me to do. There's no letter for me to write. There's no picket fence to, or you know, to get in and protest. Even though people are doing that. There's no 
thing for me to go and find an angle. There's no, you know, protect myself, close the door and sit down. I can do that. That's it. Okay. And so as this whole thing has been unfolding and I do some other work, but like a reevaluation counseling, I just, I've realized I've been holding on so tight. And even though I've had, you know, reprieves and I've had sobriety of my control and all these different things, there's still something underneath I've been holding very, very tight. And I've been able to relax and, and embody the idea, which is now reality, that I control nothing. I, I control The only thing I actually control, and of course, I judge everyone knows this, but on a real molecular um, in the minutest way in my body, only thing I control is me, and I'm barely being able to do that. Because <laughs> right? of all right. the traumas in the past and the life, that is it, nothing else. I don't control my job, I don't control my pay, because yeah, as long as I don't do anything to get fired, doesn't mean it goes under tomorrow and that's it. I don't control where I stay, they could sell their apartment building and I'm out. I don't control mm. anything. So the whole joke is on me that I'm thinking I'm doing and moving and making things happen like I'm somehow this big wizard. And I'm more like the wizard's assistant, 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 assistant who's doing the garden. You know, this is a very great thing to be doing the garden. People need those. Still a viable place. So that's the two joke. I control like so little. Yeah. Hold on to. Yeah, when I when I work with clients, that's one of the things that I say is that if we're lucky, we have control over ourselves. But we can't control others. We can't control the environment. Ultimately, we can't control it. So if we're lucky enough to be able to control ourselves, and there's a lot of ourselves, right, that, that I don't know we can control. I don't know that I have control over the thoughts that enter my head. But if I'm lucky, I can control with practice the responses that I have to things. I know I can't control the past. Mm-hmm. I can't control uh, the, the pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said. I look at just if there is a list of what I can control and what I cannot control. And if I if I put down all of the things I cannot control on on a list, to think about how much do I try? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that story because it's exhausting. I know it's exhausting for me and I know I've dealt with, with plenty of my clients to talk about, well, how much energy are you putting into trying Mm -hmm. to control those things that you can't? Mm -hmm. What else you got about control? I mean, you, you've thought about this. Well, I've thought about it. I just had a 20 minute laughing session of just the recognition of I've been running around like, you know, the boss man, you know, doing all these things and all of it is, and I could just see someone sitting in the chair just going, what is he doing? <laughs> what is he trying to do? Where does he think he's going? And I literally just giggled hysterically. I almost peed myself because I was like, what do I think? Who do I think I am? Like, where, where is this place I'm trying to get to? Uh, and who do I think? by all these tethers of control that I'm not, in, in essence, wrapping myself up every time tighter and tighter because in some way I'm trying to control myself and as opposed to what I've been doing over these last decade or so is understanding myself so I can unravel 
the biggest, the scariest thing is to unravel, like to completely unravel. And, you know, I'm about to use the onion, killing the onion, but I think it's even more. It's just like literally unraveling until I'm just this puddle on the ground from the basic beginning of life and being okay with that and not as concerned with any of it, past, present, future, because in this moment right now, you and me talking, there is nothing wrong. Yeah, I may have a bunch of stuff. I may have money this. I may have my next appointment. But in this moment, there's nothing wrong. I need of nothing. There's not a single thing wrong. So anything I'm looking at, the phone or my thought of this, that's in some essence of me trying to control what. And so what's the question I'm answering? What is so important that this moment right now can't exist where everything is okay? So am I un un willing to be okay am i unwilling to allow this moment to be forever am i un, am i um unwilling to allow uh the unfolding to happen is the control because i'm afraid i'm not going to get there it's not going to happen i'm not going to love that in this moment if i stay right here and just let the next one happen there can nothing can be wrong there's literally not a single fucking thing wrong right now so how long has it taken for you to practice that to be okay with with this moment right here? I mean, how long have I been alive? I'm going from practicing to doing to allowing to it is. Because all those stages where I thought, ooh, I've accepted, that's good. No, it's all me still trying to conceptualize and visualize and do something. And it's not, it literally, and I know MKP's talked about it, other things I've done talked about it. There is literally no doing. I just sit down and be like, don't even have to say it's okay. I just sit down. Like maybe that's mm -hmm. why I'm so good in this, as, as bad as it is, and people are suffering and all that, because all I've done is sit down. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> there's, there's been wrong. Yeah, there's it's, even my own life, you know, losing money and, this and that, things are happening and not now. Right now, things are fine. So it's the moving away from the doing and the practicing. It doesn't mean I don't work on my meditation, but all that stuff, instead of having rules, instead of having some way of judging if it's good or not, it's just like, I'm gonna stay here and meditate. Okay, I'm done, it's only a minute, okay. Oh, it's 30 minutes instead of like, no, I have to sit here for 10 minutes. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> what, no, what is that? What am I trying to do? What am I trying to grab? I don't want to sit here for longer than a minute. Okay. Okay. What does it mean? Does it mean something? Does it not mean anything? <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't care about stuff anymore, but, you know, what does that mean? Yeah. Let's go back to this unraveling piece because... I know what it's like for me to just unravel and keep digging down or you know, the peeling of the onion, but what, what was it like for you or what is it like for you, this unraveling and what, what's the deeper meaning behind that? Uh, yeah, it's a continual thing for me. Uh, I'm working, the big part of it is I'm working on not labeling things like, you know, good and bad. Uh, it, it's these emotions come up and which some are reliable and many of them are unreliable because they're 
attached to things. Um, so the unraveling for me is allowing whatever is happening or trying to happen, allowing it, uh, and not in some way trying to judge it or label it as good, bad, shouldn't happen right now, this is not the right person to allow it, don't do it here, because all those things are, once again, some way I'm trying to control something instead of allowing right. what is to happen. And so the robbing is a constant thing, and uh, which is good. And if I wasn't labeling it, it's just what is. And But um, it's something that I've had spurts in my life where I was completely open to, and then times that I haven't, even if I wasn't conscious of it. doesn't mean sometimes I may these specific things like, I will not let this happen. But there's some internal process that's been built up and what I call a lot of booby traps and all these things I've placed inside me to protect me that I'm now excavating and pulling out and being comfortable with what is and not what I think I can do or make happen. Got it. So in that unraveling, the allowing, the accepting, you, you mentioned emotions. One of the things that when I, when I go back to control, one of the things that I constantly think about with control is, am I in control of my emotions? And maybe we got to break it down to feelings versus emotions, right? The actual sensation in my body versus what my brain is telling me is happening. But how much control do you have over your emotions and, and do you think that that's important? Well, that comes down to the question, do I want to have control of emotion? There's a difference between do I want to hurt somebody? I don't want to hurt somebody. But why do I need to control my emotions? If I'm angry, why can't I be angry? Because it will pass. The anger will pass. The anger, only reason anger doesn't pass is if I embody it, I hold it, I gripping all, once again, trying to control something. I'm mad at you, you and I judge you did something to me, so now I'm going to hold on to this because all that every emotion I've ever had has passed. And the better I am of allowing them, they pass even faster. I, I said I want to be back as the child, as my niece who's two. She'll throw a fit because she can't have a piece of cookie, and then two seconds later, she's up playing with a toy. She doesn't remember she couldn't get the cookie. She's not holding on to, damn, you didn't give me that cookie. She's having a great time with her toy. And it's like mm -hmm. we're psychopaths, right? And I want to be a healthier psychopath where I can let the emotion out, and then it will pass. It's not... It doesn't. It's what my, like you said, my body feeling, as opposed to um, something else. And usually, it's tapped into something that happened when I was three or sixteen or eighteen or this person and that person. And if I can just let all that allow and let it go, eventually, it will be a memory without it being a feeling or a moment or something that I've labeled as this, like a chapter. You know, it's an mm. experience. So just like I get on a roller coaster, I love talking about it. Like I judge this world is meant to be like a theme park. And I get on a roller coaster and I don't, you know, six months later, I'm not feeling the stomach. You know, I feel in the moment, oh, my stomach, oh, this. I chose to get on that damn roller coaster to laugh, to scream, whatever. And I get off and I eat and laugh. And then the next day I move on. I'm not still sitting going, I'm scared every time I get into a car because it reminds me of a roller coaster. Right? Right, right. I allowed that. And that's what's awesome. And then it's done. Yeah. Whereas uh, fear or, or emotions, like you say, if I hang on to it, it could be crippling. It could be 
uh, when I get into a car, I could actually have a sensation if I think that it's going to be like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Same thing with fear. Yeah. So what you're saying is to to allow it to come, but also to let it go. It'll pass. Well, also understanding that what, why is it negative? Like fear. I, I love to go see, well, not so much, but I used to love to go see horror films. What? So I can be scared. So why have I labeled, and I think a lot of this is for people, but especially for men, that fear is a negative emotion. It's an emotion. And fear has saved my life because I felt something was wrong and something was wrong at a party or something and I got out. Why is it a negative emotion? And then it passed. So why was I worried about what people thought? Because I experienced fear. So it's the, I don't judge any emotion bad or any feeling bad unless I decide to hold on to it, call it something, and now put it in my body and label it and put it in the file and want to refer to it every two weeks and then I want to be mad again. That's where, quote unquote, if I'm going to label it just something as something. But other than that, it's just a feeling. Right, right. And I, I, I like what you're saying here. As So again, if I bring the focus back to control, if I'm hanging on to it, then it's almost like I'm, I'm not in control of, of myself, right? I'm just wondering, because I know that there's, there's some listeners out there right now going, you know, I, I can't control how I feel and I can't control whether I'm going to hold on to it or not. It just happens. And I dwell on it and, and on and on and on. Right. Okay. No. So I, I know. So I'm just, I'm just. No, I'm good. It's good. Right. Right. That, and, and I just know that there's been so many times in my life. That's what I would do. I was hold so tight to these things. So I, as we're having this conversation, I just, I think about the listener out there that's going, man, Stefan, what are you talking about? <laughs> just let it go. Just allowing it to come, just accepting it. What do you have to say to that person? Because obviously you've worked through some of this. Well, let's see if we can break it down. This may be hard in the moment, but let's see if we can break this down. So I'm going to take a second. So there's, I think we're talking about two different things. How do I, I can't control my emotions. And then there was something else you said about, uh, oh, letting go. So first of all, um, reason why I judge is more difficult now, and I'm using difficult, more whatever, more work, whatever what word it wants, someone wants to put in there, is because I've trained myself so rigidly and so well that I'm here now trying to untrain myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Of course, to not let it go. It's like um, uh, when I played sports, I trained how to run everywhere. So for me to go out there and act like, you know, if I was going to mimic someone else not knowing how to run, it'd be hard because I've been a runner my entire life. So I've trained and I've ran in races and I've won and I've lost. So there's that's built up. Uh, and so for someone to go, well, yeah, it's hard to let go. I get it because I've spent a lifetime of doing it this way and putting all these restraints and putting all these walls and all these things. So I don't just do that. Right? Um, and a lot of reinforcement helped me do that because I won't look weird and uh, people think I'm cool. So all these positive reinforcement or negative reinforcements, so I'm not going to do that again, kept me. So now, yes, it can be what someone may judge is difficult. I can't just do it. Uh, so there's that. And there's also, oh, I can't control my emotions. They just, uh, yeah, I think we do that a lot. If I want to 
think about uh, using something that happened, I want to be mad, I can be mad. So I can control emotions. I can be happy if I want to focus on my knees. I can be happy. So apparently I do have some control over what I feel. (laughs) I can do it now. I can talk about something that happened to me when I was living on the street and and I can cry. So I apparently have a little bit of control over what I, you know, my emotions. It's in me really, first of all, owning everything that happened to me. That's a great start for me. Owning all of it. Even the stuff that, yeah, when I was a child, like five and seven, that stuff shouldn't have happened to me and with all that stuff. But owning my life helped me now get to a place in ownership that I can now start to, once again, unravel all these things that I've used to, quote unquote, encapsulate and create this person I am now, which is also an act of control so that I can now have an identity so I can exist if that is necessary. So you went back now to, again, what you can control, what you can't. I'm, so I'm taking some notes. And so the first step would be what you said was to own what happened, to just accept that. And then the second step you said was then you can begin to unravel. Well, owning is a very, I mean, I've gotten some contentious, because uh, this also goes, uh, some contentious uh, conversations about this, because things did happen to me that, you know, maybe I was seven and I'm a seven-year-old. So yes, that, but it happened. So me trying to keep saying, go back and fix it. And I went back for me, this is me, from the beginning. Did I just woke up in my mother's belly and was born? Or did I have a choice? Because whether it's religion, whether it's movies, everything talks about this essential thing of choice. I have a choice in everything. So somehow I had a choice. And even though people say, why would you choose to be this, this, and this? Well, if I'm coming from the oneness of life, the oneness of life where everything is great, and I decided to come into an, a being, then all of this is like a big freaking amusement park. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it, but everything in the amusement park, there's lines, there's, you know, all kind that doesn't necessarily feel fun, but as encapsulated in the park, it is, right? So I'm from quote unquote perfection. I just call it oneness, where there's everything just is and great and fine or whatever you want to put on it. And I come into this, I've chose to come into this. I wasn't snatched from the clutches and I was like, I don't want to go. And then I'm here. Then if that's my version of it, yeah, I'm the victim, right? I've come and I've owned all that. So what am I trying to control? I'm control that I'm not at fault. I'm kind of control. I have, I can do whatever I want. I, I wish I was this, I'm not that. And so letting all that just be and look at it as if I'm reading someone else's novel, which when I'm reading a book, I don't try to control what happens. I'm reading it right. to see what the story is. So if I look at my life as a novel, I'm reading to see what the story was up until this point, and I, and which is luckily because I now get to continue to write the story. It doesn't have to be this. That's a great analogy right there is, yeah, I've never once thought about the past, let's call it, because none of us have any control over the past. But to look at it as the story, like I'm just reading about what happened. So I can be attached to what happened or I can just step back and and say, okay, this is a story. And moving forward, okay, I get to write the story. I have some control, some, over where this is going. 
it's a choose your own mystery <laughs> novel. Right? Even if it's a fiction book, I may have hopes of what it's going to be. And I want this person to work out and I want that person to be punished and all these things. And I laugh and cry. Some really good novels have made me laugh and cry. And it's a story and I don't have to control it. And it just unfolds in my life. If I do nothing will still unfold. Yeah. And where I can initiate, if I want to use the word controls, I just can initiate where I want to go. I can decide if I want to get better, if I want to get worse. People do it all the time. If I want to make more money, if I want to do something nonprofit, if I want to just travel the world and live on people's couches, all of it is a possibility. I can judge it isn't because I need, I won't know this, but all of it is a possibility because someone on this planet has done it means it can be done. Right. So I can choose the next chapter without also forcing trying to control what that chapter is. So it, yeah. 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 No, I like it. It's to allow, I mean, we all have empowered choices. So what you're saying is. And disempowered. Right. No, totally. They're, They're both sides of that coin. And if I make empowered choices, then I'll be able to dictate some of where this is going, but to also this idea of control to let go of the outcome. I'm going to point my ship in this direction, but let's also not be so holding tight to that direction that we're going. Yeah. Like you said from the list, listeners going to be like, oh, well, you can easily say that. No, I could easily just now, especially nowadays, there's apps for couch surfing and and all these things I could do if I want to. And people say, well, yeah, for sacrifice, if that's how I want to label it, sacrifice, I can just sell everything. I won't be able to see my niece as much. I can quote unquote call that a sacrifice. Or what I can do is travel the world. She can get older. She can come and travel with me, all these things. And that would be a life. And for some people, that would be a life wasted. For some, that would be a life enriched. And for some, they can't read that story so they can live that life without living it. But it's anything is possible. And I'm not saying if I want to become president, that's not going to be some things that I'm choosing to make happen or things I'm going to choose not to do. But whether it's a sacrifice or it's a gain, those are all how I'm labeling it. That's all in my interpretation of the reason why I have this interpretation. Once again, it's because I've done so well at building myself up to this point, which is what I'm saying is me going back and unraveling a lot of those constructs I've put in my head, which are to control. I believe school system is to control. And so in that system, I've grown up like this. So of course I think that's impossible. That's ridiculous. That's hard because that's what's been laid out for me. I'm a great right. student. <laughs> I'm a great student. Which would have been more shitty. <laughs> I'd probably be healthier, but I was really freaking good. Right? Yeah. If if there was a subtopic here, it's about this unraveling. I really like this idea because there's so much that has been that I've I've held tight to, or like you said, if if school is about control or education, formal education, and how I've learned things is really if that's winding me tight, how can I then unravel all that? How can I let all of that go and allow what is rather than holding tight to the constructs, to the ideas, to the things that have been placed, not in a victim way placed upon me, but that I've accepted. Mm -hmm. 
And how can I accept something different? How can I accept what is, like you said, rather than holding tight to or trying to control what I've been told? Yeah, I love this whole idea because as I think about it, you know, thinking out of the box, am I really thinking of so I'm going to force or do I just allow myself to be curious and see other other point of views? That's all I think out of the box is. Or do sure. I start in the construct that I'm thinking in the lane that I've been taught to think that everyone else is thinking, which looks at, makes it look like out of the box, right? So I can spend all this effort doing that or if I just allow and open my mind and be curious and a lot of things that I struggle from is I have to be right. I have to know everything. I'm like, where did all this come from? First of all, how the hell do I know everything? That's just even stupid to even even have in my mind. Now I don't call it stupid, but then I used to call it something like, what? How could I know everything? That's just such a when I think such a magnanimous statement. It's it's ridiculous to think I got to know everything or I can, I'm going to be right. How can I be right about everything if I don't even know everything? Like that's just. It's hysterical. Like now, I just laugh. I'm like, "Wow, that's what's in my head." So it's um, it's in, in the unraveling of those things and being able to laugh at myself and be able to not judge myself or be angry about quote unquote how much time has been lost and woes me. It's just oh, that's freaking hysterical. And being able to like let that unravel, and I don't always need to get back to how it started. It's great. I've done a lot of that, and it's awesome. But I don't necessarily need to know where it was. I want to find that seed and pull it out, but I don't need to like judge it and figure all of that out. Right. So here we are talking on this podcast about personal growth, and I think. I think we're onto something or you're onto something really good here is, is this idea of unraveling, right? Because I, I call, you know, I'm, I'm constantly talking about unpacking something. So if I have some grief, let me unpack that grief. If I have a, a deeply rooted shame, let me unpack that shame. So similarly, this unraveling with all the personal growth work that you have done, the unraveling is you going back to maybe figure out where that came from in the first place. These ideas, these constructs, all of these things that you've built up, that you've held tight to, that you've wanted to have control around. Yeah, I, I just think that that there's something really magical here for the listeners of how can those listeners that are, are listening right now, they want to know more about control or yeah, I'm a control freak. What do I do here? And this idea of letting it all unravel, but also investigating where it came from in the first place. Well, this is how I've, and I've told a few people this, and this is my personal theory. Uh, I'm also a big, you know, I write thrillers and stuff. I'm, I'm big on puzzles and I feel like I'm constantly walking around my life, picking up puzzles to my, to my, so I can get my whole puzzle. And I judge it as, uh, and I do. I, I view this in relationships, uh, in uh, personal work relationships, intimate, sexual, all types of relationships in life. Is that uh, I call family relationships uh, that constantly seeds are being dropped, and some of them get planted, and then some take root, and they grow into these things. I don't want to define what these things are. Um, for me. I have a fascination with trees, always have. And sometimes there's just beautiful redwood that's tall and great. And sometimes it looks, I may think it's a redwood and it's something else. 
And for me to go back and figure out that is, it's about going back, tearing down that something else, and then not just be like, okay, I'm done, but then pulling out the stump, not saying that I'm done, then getting to the root, not say I'm done, and then find that seed and go, oh, this is what, this got planted accidentally on purpose. Sometimes seeds were given to me and I was like, oh, this is mine? Planted it in, you know, three years, six years, 20 years later. I'm like, oh, fuck, that wasn't mine. And then go and pull it out and I can be mad and I can be all these things or I can be like, that's not mine anymore. Go, pull it up, take it out, throw it away and then put something else, plant it back in and then love it until it grows. Like that's the whole thing. And I think we do that throughout our lives. Things get planted on purpose and accident. We drop things and it takes root. And it's about being more conscious about what takes root because that's what yeah. you have control over. Is what takes root in me. That's definitely absolutely. And and I like this idea, whether it's unraveling or whether it's digging down, but to realize this took root. Do I need to dig it up? Do I need to? You know, when we talk about letting go or letting this pass, yeah, it took root. Is it mine or not? Mm-hmm. I've been holding on to this. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I, or I, I want control over this. If we go back to that. And the digging up hmm. is the unraveling for me. So the, so sometimes I can get to the very specific time I was three, this happened and the sea get pen and pulled out. And sometimes if I just allow the process of going back and unraveling, I don't need to know if I was 16, seven in the womb, I can just unravel and let all the feelings, all the control, all the fears and let that all come out until there's nothing. And then the C represents itself. So there's many ways. People, some people are the I need to know. I need to know where it was, when it is. Other people can do an emotional, uh, internal, which I also think at some point needs to be expressed or is written to another person so that there's a light and a witnessing that happens. But as that unraveling happens, it doesn't necessarily have to have a concrete July 16th, 1974 this is when it happened. And for some people that is, and that they're both viable, but that's still both the unraveling. They're just different ways of getting to it. And I've done both. I've done, ooh, oh my goodness, I know the exact time and place that happened. And I have a bad memory because of because of my childhood, I blocked a lot out of it. It's just a lot. It's just been carved out. And then mm-hmm. the other part, I've just unraveled and the seed presented itself. And I was like, oh, damn. I don't know. I don't need to know why, where I don't even need to investigate anymore. Here's the seed. This is not mine. And then plant something different. All viable. Yeah. Especially about the parts that, that aren't mine. So back to control, I do have control over not accepting what's not mine. And if it did take root, I love the metaphor, if it did take root for me to understand, oh, okay, let me unravel until I get to this piece, this seed, and say, all right, this isn't mine. I don't, I don't know where this started from. And, and yeah, I don't know that I need to. Nope. Depends on, depends on who you've constructed as you will determine if that's necessary Right. And I know there's certain things where I want to dig. I want to know where this started from. I want to, but then that's back to control, right? Why do I want to know that? Why is that so important? I'm not going to 
judge, but yes. <laughs> no, the- yeah, no, it's it's really I get attached to, I want to control, I want to know where this came from. And really that's part of me that I I don't know, I want to blame somebody. I wanna, you know, get to and and that that's not how I want to live my life either. So this idea of control is to realize, hey, I, I'm just gonna let this go. This is not mine to keep. I don't need to know where it started. I can, you know, the control freak in me wants to know, but. The control freak also, when people say it's hard, I judge the control freak feels it needs that. With this, this is connected to this and this, and this is who I've built myself up to be. So it can be hard because there's a voice that says this, but who I am internal is fine. So I'm going to be me. I'm going to be the best part of me. I'm going to be what I was intended to be if I choose, because I can, and I decide and let that go. So yes, is there a process? People can judge hard, difficult, it's impossible, eat, whatever. There's a process. <laughs> I you know, right. there's a process. That's what it is. It's a process. Put what you want on it or not. It's a process. The control is me either not wanting to go through the process or scared of the process, all that stuff. But once again, those are feelings. Those are things. It is not the thing. It's about the process. For the thing. Right. Well, what I just thought of was this idea around identity. That each of us have an identity, whatever we think that is. Yeah, whatever we think that is. Yeah. Whatever we think that is. How much do I want to control that identity? How much am I attached to that, right? Oh, yeah. and there's something deeply rooted if we want to go back to the metaphor of the tree there's something deeply rooted Mm -hmm. in my attachment to my identity because who am i without my identity i'm no one and i've been working my whole life to get here wherever this here is and wherever i still think i'm going so yes that's why it's quote unquote hard because no i've done this work yeah yeah so how can I let it unravel? <laughs> and that's what, what is resistance? Resistance, someone comes up to me, there's a resistance because that challenges or confronts or jeopardizes this, this thing I think I am and that I think I'm supposed to be and I've worked so hard and I'm trying to get to and this is happening and get away and this that. I'm just exhausted even just thinking about because that's what I've done. That's what I've done yeah. my whole life. And all that is happening all the time. And then I wonder why I'm exhausted. But it became my normal. So I didn't know it was exhausting because I'd done all the work to have the stamina to do that nonstop. Well, with your story, at least early on in life, your story of creating safety and avoiding harm, this idea of control was a real thing. So it, it makes sense to me, knowing limited amounts of your story of how you could have become a control, tr- a control freak just to be. Those that are control freaks and they're holding tight saying, well, this is my story. I'm owning what happened, but I want you to know why I'm so controlling or attached to control. Yeah, I as I'm, you know, I've looked back several times and I know I could have 
things could have happened differently. It doesn't mean I still wouldn't have left, but it could have been easier and I could have done, and I still, even as I've grown, like I said, I was a good student. So I even saw now the, the decisions I made were quote unquote harder because I had this thing that I had to be a man and I had to even I had to be a man and I had to do this and I had to do it on my own and like this whole thing of doing it on my own and I look now and I laugh and I've done very little on my own even though I lived on the street I had help even though when I was living in shelters and I was doing it on my own I was living in a shelter may not have been great may have been 30 50 100 of the kids in there may not have been put but I was not on the street for those couple months then I lived in a group home did on my own I was in a group home, you know, there was someone bringing food, like college, I did it on my own. Yeah, but I got long, like it, it wasn't like I just materialized all of this. So there at some point I've had support and help, whether it was not in the form I wanted or not as much as I like or all this. But this whole concept started young of doing it on my own, being a man, da 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 da, don't take the insult. I started making decisions on this identity that seeds that weren't necessarily mine that I wanted to plant and made these decisions that could have had a very easier, even if all that stuff still happened, you know, easier, more inviting, more easy, even if it's an internal easy, not a necessarily external easy life. And it all starts from the internal because that's how I label the external. Mm. All right. Now with all of that, <laughs> how do we, how do we want to recap this? What do we want to leave the listeners with as far as maybe some tools for their own personal growth around control? Well, I will start with, um, on the top of my head, I'll start with ownership. What are, if, so I'll put it in my terms, what am I willing to own and what am I not willing to not own? And then whatever I'm not willing to, to not own, what's the story behind that? Because that has a bunch of gold of why I won't own. Doesn't mean it was my fault. Doesn't mean that person gets a free pass. I'm not saying any of that. Doesn't mean the pain, if it was physical, wasn't real. But what am I willing to not own? Because a part of that is... I'm taking these parts of my life and I'm separating them out and putting them in boxes and until I can become one complete being and accept and love and hold that, then I, there is no way to not release myself from some of this control. Because, you know, compartmentalizing may be great at work, but it isn't a bit great at being a whole being. That's why I'm going to say I'm an aspiring human being. I'm <laughs> going back right. to my um, So, um, figure out what I can own and what I can't and then dig into why I can't own that stuff right? because that's parts of me that I'm keeping separate for whatever reason All right, so then it's the whole thing of what does what about my identity that is so necessary that it's scary to not have because the identity is what I'm it's, it's operating in such a high function even unconsciously that's having me do all these things that I feel I need to control in order to protect, increase, expand, hide, present something to the world and, to be honest, to myself, more importantly. I need to be convinced so I can convince everyone. Right? <laughs> right, right. I think I'm doing it for everybody else, but I'm trying to be convinced so I can do something. 
And maybe that's because I'm trying to achieve something. And I don't feel like I, if I don't convince myself, I'm not going to be able to achieve that. So then what is that about? What is that fear? What's holding me back and all that stuff? So after the ownership, it's then it's about my identity. And then it's about figuring out the things are accepting or coming to realization of what's not working. And then before I judge, get angry, whatever, where did that seed come from? Because a lot of it I judge is it wasn't, I didn't plant the seed on my own accord. Someone gave it to me or I had the knowledge I thought it was going to work. And I don't realize it's okay. I chose something. Someone chose it for me. I accepted it or whatever. I dropped it by accident. It got rooted. And just going back and going, it's okay. And taking it out and putting something in. It doesn't have to be this the scarlet letter that I did this or it was done to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, and then I, I, I feel there's just time to just be like for the, me right now, these couple of months and all the things I've learned and been working on, it's just a time to be where nothing's expected of me and nothing is expected of myself. I'm really getting away from all the rules. Once again, I'm a great student. All school is all is rules all rules, societal rules on what I'm supposed to do, who I'm supposed to love, how I'm supposed to be, to be a man, all these rules. And then I put a bunch of rules on myself so that I can even be a better student and construct my identity. So I'm just done with all the unnecessary rules, the ones I've created and the ones that have been created for me. Yes, there's some specific ones. Drive on this side of the street and not that side of the street because you know, I don't want to kill right? So I'm not saying fuck all the rules, uh, but there are a majority of the rules are arbitrary and they're there to control myself or whatever. So, and I create, I've created so many rules. I've, I've been surprised of how many tiny rules I've created for me to exist, which is ridiculous. Like, will I not do it if there's not a rule? Will I not eat if there's not a rule? Like, no. And then under all that, then it's like, what's left? Me. Just little old me is taking that process once again process that difficult and that hard and all these things I've labeled it took that process for me to go oh I'm, I'm okay in this moment I'm okay in this moment all is well the next moment will come anyway <laughs> it's that power of now right it's that this moment is all we have yeah that's great. So what I wrote down, just a real quick recap, is to own and then to question the identity, to dig down to that seed and take out what is not mine, allowing the time to be and look at the rules, those rules that control. And uh, that's the process. And at the end, there's just this moment. And in this moment, everything's good. <laughs> Look at it as a theme park. All of it is the process. It's the process of getting in line, the anticipation, getting the ride, hearing that click, click, click as it locks in. Like, I can't get out. Like, can, but do I scream? Can I? Because like, you can always scream and get out. But once it goes, enjoy it. Like, so I always use a theme park metaphor because that's what it is for me. It's life. And so when I look at it that way, if I was to label it, everything becomes easier because it's the process. No good, no bad. Yeah. The process. And we're all along for the ride in this big theme park of life. Those who decide to stay, absolutely. Just in for the ride. So have some fun. Nice. 
Well, Stefan, let the listeners know how they can get a hold of you, what services you have to provide or want to provide. Uh, that's a great question because I do get asked this often about coaching, which I don't necessarily do professionally. I do it when people ask me specifically do mentoring. Uh, I'm a writer. You can um, check out, it's a very old website. I'm about to start, uh, well, it's currently happening now, but start doing filmmaking again and I write. So you can check out some stuff at city ramblings with the S.com and uh, we did it productions.com. There's some stuff on that on the Facebook and all that stuff. Nice. Thanks. Well, hopefully people will check out your writings and ramblings. And if they don't, <laughs> I can say none of that. I'm not even worried about it. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of enjoying this pandemic. That's a little strange. Well, I'm enjoying what has helped me realize, which of course I've been doing in every phase, but it's just like, I control fucking nothing. <laughs> it's so amazing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, this the podcast that came out just earlier this week, uh, I labeled What Have We Learned? And it was just really about can we take this time during quarantine and hopefully people have learned something about themselves and not just wasted this time and and been upset for two months. Right. But they, they actually looked within. Well, Stefan, thanks again for being here. This has been a great conversation, an hour well spent for me. I really appreciate getting to know you better, hearing your story, and just kind of unpacking this idea of control. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Embrace Growth. Today's podcast was brought to you by Leader Champions. Leader Champions offers online group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, trainings for leadership as well as personal growth. Check it all out at www.leaderchampions.com. Please, if you would, subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss out on any episodes. And also, if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, it helps other people find the podcast. New episodes appear every Monday on, well, wherever you get your podcast. But that way, you can start off your week in a good way. So until next week, please embrace your own personal growth, support others, to embrace theirs and let's work together to make this world a better place until next week take care